Hello everyone, this is the All Atlantic Talks podcast. My name is Mariana and I'm a former All Atlantic Ocean Youth Ambassador. The All Atlantic Talks podcast fosters the engagement of stakeholders, joint pilot actions and youth ambassadors of the All Atlantic Ocean Research and Innovation Alliance. This podcast is coordinated by the Brazilian National Council of State Funding Agencies and is under the Anchor Project, which is supported by the European Commission. Welcome to today's episode, where we will embark on a deep exploration of the remarkable efforts to assess the vitality and resilience of deep sea and open ocean ecosystems across the Atlantic Ocean. Over the past few years, the researchers of the iAtlantic program have collected new data and developed innovative methodologies to unravel connectivity, distribution, functions, and stability within these ecosystems. To provide some insights on the adventurous experience of integrating information on these areas, we have very special guests today. So I would like to welcome Professor Murray Roberts from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Welcome, Professor. Thanks, Mariana. Yes, my name is Murray Roberts. I'm at the University of Edinburgh, and it's a great privilege uh, for me to coordinate the Atlantic project. Lovely to be with you today. Thank you very much. Also, Professor Angel Alvarez Perez from the Valle do Itajaí University in Brazil. Welcome, Professor. Hi, Mariana. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Angel Perez. I work for University of Valle do Itajaí and an oceanography program. And I also help Murray coordinating uh, iAtlantic from this side of the world. Very nice. Thank you so much for being here with us. And also, Daniela Tiepes Gaurichas from Federal University of Espírito Santo in Brazil. Thank you so much, Daniela. Welcome. Thank you, Mariana. It's great to be here. I'm Daniela Jeffes Gaurichas. I'm a PhD at the University of Espiritu Santo here in Brazil. Nice to meet you. It's very nice to have you with us. So I think before we dive into some questions that I have for you about the iAtlantic project, I think we can start with you telling a little bit more about your work in the iAtlantic project and what does it mean for the Atlantic region. So maybe you can start with Professor Robert. Thanks very much, Mariana. So by background, I'm an ecologist and a deep sea biologist, and I've worked since the late 1990s, particularly on the biology and ecology of deep sea corals. And they're really interesting in all kinds of ways. Uh, and one of the reasons they're so interesting is that they build real cities of the deep sea, like deep sea reefs that are full of other species in really rich in biodiversity, but they're also incredibly vulnerable to change. And although the Atlantic is vast and the deep ocean seems so vast we could never have any effect upon it, human activities, both the directly destructive activities of deep sea bottom trawling, the potential of deep sea mining in the future, loss of oil, uh, catastrophic oil leaks in the deep sea, these have had significant effects, but overarching all of that are the effects of man-made climate change and the acidification, the warming and the deoxygenation of the seas. So a lot of my work has been really focused on trying to understand how ecosystems respond to those changing ocean conditions. And to do that at the scale of the Atlantic, north, south, east and west, looking at structural deep sea habitats, looking at habitats on the soft, you know, muddy sediments of the deep sea floor, looking at seamounts, looking at vents, and looking also at the pelagic, what lives in the water column, has been absolutely a fantastic experience and one that we're really proud of. Um, and we actually are heading towards the end of the iAtlantic project, uh, likely in early next year. It'll be nearly four and a half or five years of work by the time we're finished. 
Thank you very much. That's very, very interesting and very challenging as well in this context of climate change, of mining in the deep sea. And thank you very much for sharing with us. Uh, Professor Engel, would you tell us a little bit of your work? Yes, Mariana, I am a, a biological oceanographer and I've been working for a long time in, in fisheries, but mostly deep sea fisheries. And, and also at deep sea ecology, a few years ago, I started to be very, very interested in deep sea ecology. So it was very nice to join my Atlantic project because in a way, uh, it was a chance to, on one side, I to produce more descriptive uh, information on the deep sea environments of the Southwest Atlantic, and, and also to match with the fisheries data to, to try to find out how these, uh, you know, human activities are somehow interacting with these deep sea ecosystems and how they contribute to the, or their threat these ecosystems. But one thing that, that was very interesting for me uh, working with the iAtlantic is that to, to find out how we could actually try to see global climate change related processes acting on the fish communities, for example, that affect directly uh, fisheries. So we can find signals in the fisheries data that the ecosystems in around the Southwest Atlantic is gradually changing, and that is affecting the catch. So that was quite a, an interesting point that, that makes me very happy to be, uh, you know, with the Atlantic project. Also a topic that connects the whole Atlantic, and it's very nice that both sides of the Atlantic can have some interesting topics to discuss and to help us understand a little bit more of the open ocean and the deep sea and, uh, and the activities that happen there, like fisheries. Thank you very much. And Daniela, please tell a little bit more of your work. Yes, Mariana. I'm a Colombian biologist, so I came here to participate in the iAtlantic project during my PhD. I had worked with deep sea ecosystems before in the Colombian Caribbean, but when I see the opportunity to work in the iAtlantic, I I was very happy and came here to Brazil because iAtlantic is a very ambitious project. I mean, it's one of the largest projects developed for the study of the deep sea with great international partnerships with together specialists and early career researchers in different areas of the study of the deep oceans. So this project allows me to connect with other people in the world. Some of them I have already read it in papers and books. So it's amazing to met the people and even better when you can break these barriers and discuss your results with them and meet some fellows that have the same questions and you. So this project itself provides a space for discussion and exchange of knowledge. So I came here to work especially in impacts on deep sea benthic ecosystems in the Atlantic. So as the professor Murray and Professor Angel said, uh, there are a lot of impacts, climate change impacts impacts and man-made impacts. So we are working on these potential impacts on the ecosystem for next century, especially warmer temperatures and a decline of the POC quality, that is the food that reached the seafloor and uh, feed the organisms, right? So it's a very, very, very good experience to, to be the project and work with, with these people on that. Thank you very much. And, and it's very nice to see you, you rely a lot of in international collaborations that you mentioned, Daniela. And so I would like to ask you, what role does this international collaboration play in the success of the Atlantic Research Program? And how does it contribute to the project approach in the context of the Gawe and the Belang statements, and which are both statements very important for the Atlantic region? 
Thanks, Mariana. And, and Daniela gave you just a wonderful overview of what iAtlantic really is all about. It's actually, it's, it's all about the people. And we've actually recently published a, a short paper, which we called a blueprint for integrating scientific approaches and international communities to assess basin-wide ecosystem status. And at the heart of our approach, we have basically six things that we really think are vital, you know, to do in the deep and open ocean if we're going to understand and manage it. And at the heart of the science, other people, of course they are. Capacity building, working with policymakers, and engaging with all stakeholders. So that's right there at the heart of our project. And the only way that we can work our way forward through this blueprint approach is by empowering people. And Daniela mentioned the fellows, and we're really proud of the early career researchers and the network of fellows in iAtlantic. And I remember myself as an early career researcher, I began with European projects in the early 2000s, so about 20 years ago now. And it was incredibly important in building the network and the knowledge and the community to work actually in what's most of our planet. I mean, the abyssal ocean covers 60% of our planet and the global ocean has absorbed over 90% of global warming. The statistics are remarkable, but we have to understand the implications of these massive changes on this huge biome. And we would argue, if I quickly give you the summary of what we're doing, we start with understanding the oceanography and the connectivity of ecosystems at the Atlantic scale by using a whole series of regional uh, case studies that you can see on our website. We know the deep ocean is very, very poorly mapped. So our second priority is to get out there and map at the basin scale, at regional and at high resolution local scales. We then need to understand what Daniela is talking about so well, what drives ecosystem change and how do multiple stressors impact upon ecosystem function. So there are third and our fourth priorities for action. And then we need to bring all that knowledge together and think about how we can manage across space and time. And the way I describe this to people is that if we imagine the Atlantic and we looked at the entire basin, we need to identify which areas are experiencing the most rapid and perhaps even uncontrolled climatic change. Maybe they're acidifying across a critical threshold or they're becoming so warm that the fish cannot tolerate and different populations come in. Where are those places that are experiencing really rapid change? In those places, if there's evidence that ecosystems are under great strain and pressure, well, those are our priorities for action to manage. So we're bringing all that knowledge together and using systematic conservation planning techniques to prioritize areas for management. And then our final and most important priority for action is all around the capacity building, sharing the knowledge and engaging with policy and stakeholders. You mentioned the Bellem statement and preceding that the Galway statement that was signed in 2013. These give us the architecture to work seamlessly across the north, south, east and west of the Atlantic to share the funds. And that's so important. We can share resources to build proper integrated projects. We, we all bring our knowledge to the table and we all share our information. It doesn't matter if it comes from South Africa, it comes from Brazil, from the United States, Canada, Europe. We bring it together, we share it and we develop the plans and we execute the plans all as one team. Um, that's very inspiring <laughs> to hear uh, and it's amazing how this expertise and the results that you mentioned, all of the research and data that you are dealing with, this is guiding you to connect people and to improve the knowledge and the collaboration and this is very, very powerful. One of the goals of, of having those big international collaboration projects such as uh, the iAtlantic is to make people thrive as well 
and to support human resources development, the results you are getting are very important in the context of ecology and oceanography, but also international collaboration and the science and policy interface. So thank you for sharing. Yes, uh, well, Murray gave a very wide uh, description of, of how we collaborate, but I, I understand that, you know, the Belen stating is all about international collaboration. I mean, in all Atlantic network, you know, understand the whole Atlantic as a whole, you, you need to collaborate with the nations. It, it wouldn't make sense to try to produce an all Atlantic study with only a few nations or only a few nations in Europe or in North America and not having this uh, widespread in all the different regions of the Atlantic. For starters, you, you need to produce knowledge in different regions, but also to bet the people that have benefit from this knowledge have to be, really be around the, all the countries that is around the, the Atlantic as a whole. So, I mean, I think this uh, collaboration is in the heart of the land state and, of course, in all the, these projects such as iAtlantic. I also say about, you know, working in, in Brazil, how important it is to collaborate with the uh, iAtlantic and other institutions. The iAtlantic has set some of these, uh, these priorities that Murray have, has mentioned uh, before, and which we can try to reproduce in our regions and, and address the same questions so we can compare, read, and, and, and try to have uh, an understanding of the, of the whole Atlantic. But uh, in order to be comparable, we have to talk, we have to exchange data, we have to exchange resources, as Murray said. And I'll give you one example. Uh, there's uh, two labs in the whole Atlantic Consortium that run two uh, ocean models that predicts and makes hindcasts of, of ocean circulation in the entire Atlantic in different spatial scales in different regions. And we use that information in our regions to compare with the ecosystem data so we can address the same questions they are trying to address in Europe or in Africa or North America. So that's one example of how important it is to have a collaboration so we can produce sort of comparable results and, and have some general answers to this, uh, to the Atlantic questions. Thank you very much. And as a Brazilian, all this information is very important in our context as well. And to feel connected uh, with the Atlantic and to understand what is happening in the whole region so we can make decisions based on the best available knowledge. And this is, of course, what you are doing, providing the best available knowledge so decision makers can use that knowledge to make good decisions, I hope. So uh, thank you very much. Yes, Mariana, I agree with you. And the, the structure of the project is incredible and was thought out in detail to not miss anything and develop everything in the best way. So I want to talk a little about my PhD thesis. Uh, my work is part of the work package four. It's a really great team of researchers and fellows studying the effects of different climate and man-made stressors on deep uh, pelagic and benthic uh, ecosystems in order to understand and predict how and where these stressors could drastically impact the ecosystem function and services. Uh, because it's, as professors said, it's very little known about the functioning of these ecosystems. So my work is on the impacts of warmer temperatures and predicted decline on particular organic matter to seafloor or food over the next century for batial and abyssal depths. So it's very, very little known about uh, these depths, especially here in the Atlantic. So we perform some ex -situ and, ex and in situ experiments to expose this fauna that lives on and inside the sediment on the seafloor that are very, very little tiny organisms. So we expose these organisms to predict conditions 
And we developed this work in Cabo Verde, Africa, and in Santos Basin here in Brazil. So it's very nice. Uh, all this information is allowing us to identify the main stressors on ecosystem change and determine the most vulnerable areas in the Atlantic Ocean. So the international collaboration is really easily seen in my experience. I mean, I'm from Colombia and I'm in here in Brazil studying the deep sea ecosystems from Africa <laughs> with samples collected by our college from the UK during an expedition on board a Spanish Navy vessel. So it's amazing. I love to be part of the Atlantic. It is amazing indeed. <laughs> it's so nice to see the international collaboration is very present in your work and of course is influenced your experience as an early career researcher and that's very powerful. And this also fosters the multidisciplinary nature of the Atlantic program itself, as you already mentioned. And I would like to ask you, how do you integrate those different fields of knowledge of different fields of scientific expertise for the deep sea research? Thanks, Mariana. So I gave you a quick overview of the kind of six major areas of our project. We call them kind of the priorities for action and how we achieve a kind of, I hope, a successful integration across the disciplines is really by thinking about it a lot when you're, when you're building the plan and thinking about how you align science areas that might not always work together. So, for instance, Daniela's mentioned work packages. So we structure the project in a series of working packages. The first one we integrate oceanography and the connectivity of ecosystems. And we put that together. So the two leading scientists in that area work side by side. The model framework that Angel has mentioned, we use the same oceanographic model, which is actually run in G Germany. It's an organization called Guillemar. Uh, that provides the framework right across the program of research in all of the countries. We work off that same unified uh, model framework. And within that, we can see, we can release virtual larvae and, you know, from little baby uh, corals, for instance, and we'll look at how they spread throughout the you know, vast distances of the Atlantic Ocean. And we integrate those two bits of work together in the first work package. So we can in integrate the disciplines by bringing them together, but also really critically, we do it by talking and meeting. And it sounds so simple, but you've got to make sure each meeting is open and that people are there and people have the energy and the motivation to share their ideas across the disciplines, not just to talk to their colleagues. Maybe the, the, the physicists talk to the physicists and the biologists talk to the biologists. That's no good. We need people to do excellent work in each of the disciplines, but we need them to come together. That was where we did have you know, difficult times, just like any project in COVID. I mean, for two years, let's not forget, our Atlantic was shut down. We couldn't get the ships to sea. We couldn't meet. We couldn't get together and build personal bonds. But we did meet online. And I think we did a pretty good job of building things, even though we were working across Zoom with nearly 150 people at times on Zoom calls and then discussion groups that were working in each of those working packages around each of those priorities for action. So I think that's how we do it. And we designed the entire project so the new knowledge flows through to stakeholders, to policy specialists, and critically to inform conservation planning, sustainable use planning of the deep Atlantic Ocean. That's fantastic to coordinate models and frameworks and people and make the knowledge flow across. Considering that you were discussing the Atlantic region, which is huge, and that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. 
Yes, I think that integrating uh, different disciplines is kind of uh, one of the most interesting aspects of studying the deep sea because it's so remote that you have to try to piece the things together, piece the, uh, the information and the different disciplines together in order to, to understand how the ecosystem works. So something like space, you know, science, you have to try to understand the whole. And of course, if, you, if you're trying to address these uh, Ayatant questions in deep sea regions in Brazil, for example, you have to have you know, uh, geological data on how the habitats are, you know, the, the morphology of the habitats and, and sediments and all the, the chemistry of the ocean and the biology together so you can make a, a comprehensive analysis of what's going on and how it's changing. So, for example, here in Brazil, we have to ask Petrobras if they could help us with geological data so we can have good maps of the areas we were studying. We look at the fisheries to find community composition data based on the catches. So that's how we were trying to piece together information, putting them together and trying to understand the, the ecosystem process. And, and again, trying to uh, having the collaboration with uh, Europe to, to sending us uh, hindcast and forecast of ocean circulations in the area. It's really like a puzzle that we have to collaborate to put the information together and try to make a general understanding of what, uh, what's going on in the deep sea areas and how it's changing. And I think this puzzle exercise is very much about oceanography is, <laughs> in my perspective, that is to get the pieces together, to understand the system, to look the system, to have an, an overview, and also to be able uh, from that overview to go deeper and literally deeper and, and see things locally and see the challenges and the aspects and the functions and, and how things work at the local scale. But it's all about scale and integrating the data and the puzzles and all of the pieces. And very nice that you did that for the Atlantic. I think the, the professors explained very well the interaction between the working package and all the interactions between countries and everything, but I want to highlight the importance of the pandemic. <laughs> As Professor Murray said, it was a challenge to do the project in the pandemic with online meetings and workshops and annual meetings. So we met each other online <laughs> at the beginning, right? And was almost three years to have the first annual meeting in person that was last year here in Florianopolis, Brazil. So it was very, very nice to meet each other in person and talk really is very different than work online also. So the pandemic was very difficult for us, but hopefully the efforts of Professor Murain and all the, the Atlantic team we can do this project in the best way. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm very sure you did. And I have one more question for you. How did the Atlantic overcome the challenge of scaling up local and regional observations to address challenges and questions at the ocean basin scale? Thank you. Yes, this is a, a great question. It's also a very difficult question. We're working on it, let's say. Uh, I, I'm going to give you one example of a, an area that we're really exploring and trying to get our heads around. And it's a particular issue we haven't discussed yet, but our foundational work is on understanding the oceanography of the Atlantic. And we've worked with the international teams that are monitoring the circulation patterns of the Atlantic. I'm here talking about OSNAP in the North Atlantic, uh, the Rapid Climate Array in the Equatorial Atlantic and the Samok and Samba 
arrays of instruments that span across the South Atlantic. And, you know, we've, for instance, worked with the Triatlas program to buy oxygen sensors and other equipment to bring new capacities into the South Atlantic monitoring. Now, the reason we're doing that is that we've got to understand the overall circulation pattern of the Atlantic, the so-called Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation. Now, I'm talking to you today from Edinburgh in Scotland. Now, I wouldn't be living here in Edinburgh if it wasn't for the warm waters that are moving up from the Gulf Stream and across the North Atlantic Drift that bathe Northern Europe with really relatively warm seawaters which give us a warm maritime climate. If that overturning circulation were to stop, the climate here would radically change. In fact, a paper came out just a few weeks ago where people said, okay, do you know that overturning circulation might just stop within a few decades? This caused a huge response online. Um, it's really worth interesting, for instance, a science media center um, analysis of some of this work. Atlas program that I ran from 2016 to 2020 and within iAtlantic, we've looked at the overturning circulation and it's clear that it is changing. It's probably running slower now than at any point in, in recent history. And there's the fingerprint of anthropogenic climate change within that change. If it suddenly changes and alters, what are the implications? Or even what are the implications of that slowdown on the connectivity and functioning of deep Atlantic ecosystems? We're very, very interested to explore that. And in fact, at our final meeting, we're having a dedicated two-day session where we just get together and think as scientists about those sorts of issues and write papers. So that's just kind of one kind of high-level example of how we're trying to pull our results from local and regional relevance right out to relevance at the Atlantic scale by understanding the implications of overturning circulation change on ecosystem function. Which is something very important in this moment, as you mentioned, that we are facing this specific year of warning signs about climate. And I believe that this is the most amazing thing about the ocean, the circulation of a heat and how life is possible on the continent because of that. We are not much aware of that. I understand that it's a difficult question to answer because I don't know if it's possible to measure the dimension of this scaling up process of local and regional observations, but I'm sure you're doing a very, very great job. Yes, a difficult question indeed, uh, but I'm not so sure we really want to find regional processes and upscale them to the, the entire Atlantic. What we're really trying to do is to try to compare the processes that we are identifying in the regional scale to see how is that happening in the other areas to try to see if there are common changes and then make it a general understanding I'll give you an example like in, in, in the working package three we were looking at the past changes in ecosystems trying to find patterns and also tipping points of the ecosystems and we of course had a, a whole range of different data sets ranging from you know plankton observations whale observations fisheries data in different regions and they're all different uh, data sets with different uh, time spans, but we try to develop common uh, methods to look for in this uh, series to try to find these changes. So what we're really trying to compare, if the changes are happening all together in the different regions, or if we're having some period where we expected to have, or we found some very sudden changes. So that's what we're trying to do really, to compare the results we're getting uh, in the different areas of the Atlantic, but not really trying to uh, project them uh, you know, regional observations to upscale them into the entire ocean. That's what I, I think that's what we're doing. And that's very important as well, the comparison. Uh, thank you very much. 
I was amazed by the work you're doing and congratulations and thank you very much for this inspiring experience of researching and also human resources development, capacity building development and international collaboration development. And I feel very inspired reading about your work and also hearing you telling us about how important is people to, to make this possible and to make the best knowledge available for the society, for the decision making. And thank you very much. I only have the best messages about the iAtlantic project. I am glad to be part of this consortium of this integration project. It's very huge and is very, very nice. You can visit the, the webpage to, to have more information about the Atlantic. There you can visit the blog post about the expeditions, onboard expeditions and all the work that was developed in them. So it's an amazing opportunity to early career researchers. I, I came here to Brazil with a lot of expectations to be part of this project. And even with the pandemic, I am very happy to be part of this. I could enhance my knowledge. I met a lot of people that, that made uh, my PhD possible. So it's amazing. I'm very glad to be part of the Atlantic. Thank you, Daniela. I feel very happy to hear about your experience. How important it is to have a, a good environment to develop our capacities. And I'm sure the Atlantic provided that to you. And I'm happy for that. As a project concern, we, we achieved lots. We, we actually have more to achieve that maybe we weren't able to achieve because of the problems we faced. But the most important thing is that are the people, as Daniela and Murray just mentioned before, I think it's the real message because, you know, the projects, they start in the end, but the friendship uh, stays and, and our connections stay and our collaboration stays. So I'm very glad to be part of our Atlantic, but very anxious to be what's next in, in terms of, of collaborations and what's next in terms of trying keeping on with these studies and having young people like Daniela, you know, developing more and more uh, studies in, in this region of the Atlantic. That's great. I'm hoping that too, that you can stay connected and, and even with the final uh, meeting of the Atlantic project, you continue collaborating. Well, I think Daniela and Angel have said things so eloquently, I don't have very much to add. It's, you know, it's all about the people. And just to let everybody know uh, that's listening, our final meeting uh, is the week of the 9th of October, and it's an open meeting. So anyone is welcome to join us and you can join online. And we want to share our results and have a series of panel discussions with our st major close stakeholders. And in fact, we have an incredible um, array of results, but also external experts and policy specialists that are coming to the final meeting. And one of the reasons for that is that, as many people probably know, the United Nations has just assigned a new legally binding treaty to manage biodiversity in areas beyond national jurisdiction. It's a bit of a mouthful and it sometimes gets called the High Seas Treaty. So we are convening a symposium and this is partly through the Atlantic Project. Uh, our secretariat is organizing this meeting and we're bringing the authorities in that new UN level agreement to Edinburgh to discuss what that agreement means and how it's going to be implemented. And critically, as Danielle is saying, we need the young people moving forward, not just to keep understanding our rapidly changing oceans and how the ecosystems are responding, but also to provide the science and the science to policy expertise that's going to allow that treaty to be functional. 
And it's a really special moment in the governance of the deep and the open ocean to have this treaty come into force. It needs to be ratified, it needs to be implemented. But please, it's an open invitation to anyone that's interested. That meeting happens on the 6th and 7th of October. It's fully free, no charge to come in person or to join online. And we have nearly 500 people so far registered to attend that meeting. I'm one of them. <laughs> I registered a month ago, I think, and I'm very excited to hear more about that. And thank you very, very much. I'm very grateful for this conversation. You were amazing. And thank you for sharing your knowledge about your work and about the challenges and about the amazing knowledge you were able to gather in the Atlantic project. Congratulations on your work. And I would like to invite our listeners to visit the iAtlantic website, which is iAtlantic.eu. And there are lots of papers and a lot of information. And thank you very much. And I would like also to invite our listeners to listen all the episodes of the Atlantic Talks podcast, including the first season. They are available on YouTube, Spotify, or at allatlanticocean.org. Thank you very, very much. I will see you soon. And that's it for now. Thank you. Thank you.